What's up, you guys? This is the podcast that's all about Daredevil. This is episode four, and I am your host, the Daredevil Prophet. But if you're wondering what my real name is, we don't say his name. How was that? How did I do? Did I get the part? Ah, you guys are haters. I could be a Wesley if I wanted to. Look at me all referring to myself in the third person and everything. Speaking of referring to themselves in the third person, as Matt Murdock once said, So what did you think about my friend Daredevil? So Daredevil came out on Netflix this past weekend, and I just feel like I fell into a black hole. My entire weekend has just been absorbed by uh, by Netflix and uh, this uh, the first season of Daredevil. Um, which has been really great. Um, there's not much praise that I have to do because critically, Rotten Tomatoes, any review that you see, any article that you see, um, has been really nothing but positive, both from uh, TV show critics and also from uh, from regular fans and just general people on social media and everything. So it's, it's kind of crazy how critically acclaimed daredevil has become this this first season on netflix um as a daredevil fan it's great to see but it 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 would be a moot point for me to uh to praise it even more or to be sort of gluttonous about about its praise yeah it's it, it was great and i really loved it um so much so that it's moved me in the direction for this podcast um, in a direction that I'll announce shortly, but, uh, you know, I, I've had a really, really fun time, um, absorbing the story and just taking it all in. And that's really what I like about, um, movies and shows and, and any kind of literature that I read or come across is what pulls me in, what brings me back for a second go around, a third go around, multiple go arounds, you know, what, uh, it is underneath the surface that I can chew on beyond that initial excitement and beyond that initial um, a sort of shock of seeing the story and uh, and the the twists and all that kind of stuff. And I know that Daredevil, when it's done right, will deliver um, on that front. So I'm really happy to. To have something that uh, I can see and that I can be proud of as a Daredevil fan and as a Marvel fan, but uh, but also have something that that I can chew on for a very very long time and and find something new each time I uh, watch it in different layers. Um, I, I I think it's a pretty straightforward narrative. Uh, it's a little hard to to follow because there's a, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, and there's a lot of uh, different factions involved in different aspects of the story. Um, but I think 13 episodes was was the perfect amount of episodes um, for a first season. They really did a good job of not overcomplicating the story or overcomplicating the pathos of, uh, of what the main characters will go through. Um, so much so to where they can explore uh, every uh, every character's sort of uh, uh, motive and agendas and um, their sort of story arcs 
uh, throughout the first season. So I, I really, I really like how kind of, how actually simplistic it was. Um, and the space that they gave themselves to really just explore the, um, uh, the, 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 the struggle, the, the inner struggle, um, before it gets to sort of the, the hoopla of the action and all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of, um, inner turmoil that that goes on with a lot of the characters um that sparks the the action that kind of goes on throughout this the the first season so i'm i'm really happy about that and i'm really glad that there's a lot of replay value um to this first season um i'm pretty sure it's going to be like that for daredevil uh in the future just because he has that potential and anyone who's been a longtime fan um, of his comics knows that there's a lot of um, replayability and rereadability um, to his material because it is just so uh, multifaceted and there's a lot of different things to, to kind of chew on so I'm really happy about that so much so that I'm gonna take uh, the podcast in a in a different direction now um, I do love 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 this the season uh on netflix uh i'm just as crazy about it as anybody else so much so that it has moved me to an action to where i will be doing a commentary um for each episode so about however long the episode is um you know around 50 minutes you know give or take um it it it's sort of in that range and i'll uh I'll try to I'll try to keep my comments uh, to that uh, that amount. I won't try and go over, but I do want to provide a commentary for you guys on each episode, um, just sort of uh, bringing to light different things um, about the story, about the characters, the inspiration behind it, where it comes from, from the comics and stuff like that. Anything that I can bring out, anything that I've noticed, um, I definitely want to sort of. Uh, hammer it out and definitely go through them one by one and really really dive deep into uh, each in individual episode so i'll be doing that um starting with the very next uh posting uh that i get that'll be the first episode and i'll be going from there i won't title them uh as episodes they'll just be titled after the uh, the netflix episodes that they're that the title is for those um but it doesn't mean that i won't have other episodes if there's news or if there's other things that i want to talk about i may um do that in between uh the commentaries that i do and stuff like that so um this will be something that'll keep me busy for quite a while and i knew it was going to kind of be like that um i'm really somebody who loves everything about daredevil um the movies the the books the comics and now the TV show, but it's just that the TV show is the most current. It is something that is out there that is brand new. Um, and so I want to shed as much light on that as possible and get that to you guys. Because one of the things that I loved about, um, you know, buying uh, DVDs, you know, 10 years ago or whatever is I loved exploring the, uh, the special features and, one of the things that I really come to love are the commentaries that come with each discs. 
you know, whether it be Star Wars or any other superhero, um, the commentaries are, are, are the things that provide sort of the most insight. So I'm going to try and do that. Um, I'm going to provide my insight uh, um, to what I can bring. And hopefully it'll be a, you know, it'll be a good time. You know, it'll be like listening to your buddy, um, listening over, uh, over an episode of Daredevil while it's playing. So, um, so that'll be my focus for the next couple months. And that's what I'll be working on for you guys. Uh, so this episode is going to be a lot different from the past episodes where I've covered news and, uh, and things that are kind of factual. I'm going to get a little geeky here. I feel like this is the perfect time to do it. It's going to go into a lot of pure conjecture and a lot of pure uh, fan speculation um, of a lot of things that I've uh, come up with over the, the years, really. This is the episode that I've been wanting to do for a while, and I was thinking about the right time to do it. I think now that the Daredevil uh, first season is released on Netflix, I think now is a perfect time to do it. Um and it's going to be a multifaceted uh, issue to where I'll be covering, you know, what's next for Netflix, what's next for Daredevil, and uh, are we going to get a season two, and what would that look like? And then after that, I'm going to go over something very, very special um, to me. It's something that I've been working on for about four or five years Um I've been a Daredevil fan for a very long time, even though I've barely started this podcast. Um, he has consumed a lot of my uh, my mental space and a lot of my time over the years. Um, so I definitely want to bring something that's really, really neat and really cool. Um, I want to put it on record. I want to put it out there um, to see if if it catches on with anybody. Um, in not the very near future, but, you know, later on down the line, you know, let's see if it kind of picks up. So the first thing I want to cover is Daredevil Season 1 came out. It's great. Everyone loved it. The immediate question that people will start asking, if they haven't already, is, hey, when can we see a Season 2? of Daredevil. Will we see it? When will we see it? And what is that going to look like? So I, I want to get into some things that I know um, about it. Uh, we know that uh, Jessica Jones is coming up next later on this year. That's the projected kind of release date is uh, sort of the fall or possibly the winter of this year. Followed with Luke Cage uh, the year after that, and then Iron Fist, and then the Defenders. So they're going to be working on these sort of one by one. They're going to be wheeling them out uh, on a consistent basis, but it is kind of a rotating wheel to where Daredevil has passed on the wheel, and he's got to wait for the other ones to pass for him to come around back again, um, even after the even after the Defenders. But for a season two, is that necessarily the case? What I know is that Marvel and Netflix hired uh, a crew um, to work on all these series, uh, all, all these characters that are coming out. The four shows and then the Defenders. 
So they have basically one crew, uh, the people behind the scenes, the people doing the dirty work and all that stuff, uh, the production guys. Um, they have consistent jobs right now um, because they're done with Daredevil. Now they're uh, rushing on to Jessica Jones and then they'll get a little break in between Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and then they'll start on Luke Cage. So they have secure, consistent jobs throughout uh, throughout the next couple years, right? Because that's when um, Defenders is most likely going to come out in uh, 2017, somewhere around there. Um, what needs to happen first for Daredevil to have a season, uh, an additional season before the Defender series, is for Daredevil to have a separate production company or, or a separate uh, crew to work on the show. Either that or they get their old crew back that'll be working on either Luke Cage by then or Iron Fist. Um, they would come back over to Daredevil and then another crew would have to take on uh, those other shows. Um, so as I know it, you have the uh, the writers... For Daredevil, the the producers, uh, you have Stephen Denight, Drew Goddard, um, Jeff Loeb, all those guys who's overseeing Daredevil, and then you have a separate uh, showrun showrunner and and all those guys and a different cast for Jessica Jones, and on and on and on with Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and and the Defenders. Uh, the Defenders probably being an amalgamation. Um, uh, I'm pretty excited to see what that team will look like. I don't know if it's going to be not only an all-star cast with with all the the heroes of the four shows but uh an all-star cast of like all the best writers from all four of the series or uh directors or showrunners and all that stuff I, i'm really interested to see what the production uh crew will look like for the defenders uh and who will be selected who will be in who will be out all that kind of stuff but for the time being, if um, if we want to see Daredevil, if if Marvel wants to see a second season of Daredevil as quickly as possible, uh, Foggy made a little reference at the very end of the last episode to where he said something about um, uh, Wilson Fisk being in prison for a year. You know, these can be little hints about uh, what they're planning for Daredevil in the future. Um, because, you know, all the other Netflix series comes out annually, uh, the, the same as any other show. Um, they, they kind of come out like clockwork, uh, just like any network show. It's the same with House Cards or any of the other Netflix shows um, that are out right now. They come out annually, give or take a month or so. Um, so if they want to do the same with Daredevil, I know that Daredevil season one is tied to a, a contract um, with the whole 60 episodes, um, including him and, and the rest of the other stuff. Um, they would have to make an addendum or they would have to um, sort of extend his his contract for Netflix. They would have to work out a deal. And I think that they were waiting for what the reception would be like. Um, Netflix. I think Marvel will just kind of plow on through if they can. Um, but 
Netflix is at the gate. They're the ones that really kind of decide, hey, you know, we want to wait on Daredevil uh, season two or, hey, we want to get this out now, you know, sooner rather than later before the Defenders. And I think that that's kind of smart how they um, how they wrapped the first season of Daredevil up to where it's kind of like it's not a direct lead in to Jessica Jones. It's not a direct lead in to the Defenders. It's just kind of a standalone season, uh, whether that leads into one of those or possibly a second season um, it is sort of left up to interpretation. It, it really can pick up wherever it left off because they do a pretty good job of of setting up without leading into anything. Uh, they don't do a whole lot of setup uh, that that requires a big payoff or that requires an immediate payoff. So I think that that's something that's, that was uh, a smart direction for the way that Marvel did it. So to me, in my mind, it's really up to Netflix if they want to uh, go ahead and do uh, season two sooner rather than later. Um, but like I said, to do that, you do have the hurdle of of having a new crew um, either for season two or for the other uh, the other shows that are still projected to be released within the next uh, year or two, um, and so based on what we know now, we we've seen when production started for Daredevil, when it was announced, the casting, all that stuff, all that's been in the news, all that's been covered extensively. So on a technical level, we can look at it, and I've actually come up with a little bit of a list of projected release dates for for everything that they have. The 60 episodes, uh, 13 of Daredevil, probably 13 of Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, respectively, and about maybe eight episodes or so for The Defenders. Uh, it is a miniseries, so we know those are going to be less episodes. Maybe it's probably going to be like... Uh, I don't know, like like film length or something like that, but that is kind of uh, the uh, the estimate amount of episodes that we can expect from this whole package deal, the the f the sort of phase one of the Defenders um, that starts with Daredevil, and so I have some projected release dates. Um, we do know that Daredevil released on April tenth of 2015 production started in July of 2014 and ended in December of 2014 so the same year so it was about I think uh, I think that's five months that's five months of production time there and then you have from December to the time it was released so post-production you're looking at uh, three months post-production and marketing um, and remember, we thought that Daredevil was going to be released uh, in May, uh, on May 1st, or maybe a little bit later. Uh, we thought it was going to be released the same time as, like, Age of Ultron, and um, I was kind of like, oh, no, like, it's it's going to be completely overshadowed. Who's going to care about Daredevil when uh, Avengers is out in theaters, uh, the sequel to the first Avengers? Um, but they did a really smart thing in releasing it beforehand. 
I think they just gave themselves a little bit of a cushion um, to say, yeah, we're thinking about releasing it in May. Um, but then they released it a little bit earlier uh, at the beginning of April. So based off of that, the five months of production, the three months of post-production, we can already kind of get an idea of what to expect for the production and the post-production for all the rest of the series, right? Because they're they're working this like clockwork. Um, so and, and it's going to be in less than a year, right? Daredevil and Jessica Jones is going to be released this year in, in 2000, uh, 2015. So the production for Jessica Jones started in February. I believe it was in the beginning of February, February 5th, uh, if memory serves correctly, somewhere around there. Um, that's when it started. And we're already starting to see images. An image released today uh, with the first picture of Luke Cage. He's riding on a motorcycle. Jessica Jones is right behind him. Um, so we know that Jessica Jones started in February. Projected end date for product for production on the show to me five months later is going to be in july and then you have post-production from july to october so i'm thinking that jessica jones will be released in the fall either october maybe november to give themselves a little bit of a cushion um, but i know that november is a pretty big release date for uh, marvel as well sometimes they they release um stuff in november i think they uh, are planning to release uh, thor ragnarok uh in november um i don't know if that was one of the dates that changed like uh, i forget i don't have it in front of me but i do believe that jessica jones will be released in october possibly november hey possibly even december there have been pics of jessica jones um in the snow and stuff like that so it makes sense that it, it may even be pushed back all the way to december of this year but I definitely do think that it will come out this year rather than next year all right and then we're moving on to Luke Cage the, the production um, it will start in September um, let me see Daredevil ended in December and then production for Jessica Jones began in February so we're talking about two or three months in in between the production of one show and the beginning of another show so this is this is kind of the logic that I'm using this is sort of the mathematics that I'm using for uh, the projected release dates uh, I'm giving about a two to three month cushion between the production of one show uh, the end of production for one show and the beginning of production for the next show and so that's how I came to the conclusion that Luke Cage probably will start production in September of 2015 uh, of this year. So we'll probably see pictures of Luke Cage by the end of the year. Um, uh, set photos and stuff like that of his own show. And that's pretty crazy when you kind of think about how quickly all of this is going to be unraveling and how quickly all of it is going to be moving. Um, so based off of that logic, I have the production starting in September 2015 for Luke Cage and ending in February 
of 2016. Post-production, marketing, three months. Uh, nothing special there or anything like that. I have a projected release date of Luke Cage coming out in June of 2016 of next year. And what's funny is that in 2016, as far as the Netflix shows go, projected release dates based off of what we've seen with Daredevil and what we're seeing with Jessica Jones, based off of that timeline, there's nothing else coming out in 2016. And I remember I replied to a tweet by Netflix from, um, from I believe it was Australia. Or it was a it was an international Netflix account, and um, it had a check mark next to Daredevil, and below it it had Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and then the Defenders on the bottom. And I replied, and I said, Daredevil check mark done. You know we got that April tenth. It came out. Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and then I put Daredevil season two in between Luke Cage and Iron Fist. And then continued down the list with Iron Fist and the Defenders. And so the soonest that we could see a Daredevil Season 2, in my mind, is going to be a year from now um, in 2016. Probably in late 2016 after Luke Cage. I think that that would be the quickest possible time that they would be able to write a new season and hire a, a separate crew uh, for season two and still be able to continue on with um, with uh, Iron Fist and, and the Defenders without really kind of um, this season two interfering with that um, sort of uh, schedule. Um, so to me, I really have it pegged that the soonest we could see it is... Uh, late 2016 possibly 2017 um, if not we'll probably have to wait after the Defenders comes out um, before we start to hear anything about a Daredevil season 2 I hope that's not the case um, I really think that it would happen uh, I really hope that it would happen sooner rather than later um, because it, it would be kind of unusual to have such a critically acclaimed show and such a, a well-received show and a show that everyone loves and um, and something that people are going to be wanting more of to come out in over a year from now, possibly two years uh, apart from season one, possibly three years after The Defenders comes out. I mean, that's just kind of ridiculous to kind of think about. I mean, that's... That's a longer uh, uh, gap than it would for like like two movies of of the same title or anything like that, right? So uh, I really don't think that they would wait that long. I don't think that it's going to be post Defenders. I think it'll be right before Defenders or possibly right before Iron Fist. Somewhere around there um, for a season two. And I think we can almost expect it um, based off of um, uh, just how how well received it's been by not only Daredevil fans, not only Marvel fans, but um, just uh, Netflix account holders in general. It's 
it's really something to where the message is clear. You know, give us more Daredevil. <laughs> you know, give us give us more. We want more. We can't wait a, a couple years. We can't wait three years. Um, so I, I definitely have it pegged for being something that will happen sooner rather than later. All right, let me just jump through this real quick. So Luke Cage projected release date for me, June 2016. Iron Fist projected release date is January uh, 2017. It just misses... Uh, 2016 but I don't think that they're going to be able to produce these shows quick enough for Iron Fist to be done any sooner than January 2017 and, and we're talking about projections here so um, you're definitely going to get delays um, for this that or the, or the other so January 2017 for Iron Fist is probably the soonest um, if not the latest, probably almost in the spring or even the summer of 2017, I think is when we can uh, expect expect that. And then Defenders is going to be a little weird because it's less episodes, it's less time, less production time. I think I put like four months for production time. Um, and then the regular three, um, three months for post-production and marketing and all that stuff. For for myself, I have a, a projected release date of August 2017 for uh, the Defenders. Um, and that's if you don't throw a monkey wrench. That And that's the thing, too, is that def, uh, Daredevil Season 2 would almost become like a monkey wrench to this timeline and to this plan. Um, if they want all this to happen by 2017 and they want to fit Daredevil Season 2 in their before the Defenders miniseries. I mean, it's going to maybe throw things back. Uh, so if you're expecting the Defenders, if you're looking forward, um, Iron Fist, and you can't wait, uh, we never knew the order, but it's pretty clear that the order is going to be that Iron Fist will come last, uh, followed by the Defenders, so if you're looking forward to Iron Fist the most out of all these four shows, then that might be pushed back. 2017 is kind of what we're looking at for Iron Fist. Um, soonest in the beginning, but hey, who knows how far back it, be, it can be pushed back. Who knows what can happen from now until uh, until that date. Um, so that's kind of the that's kind of what I'm looking at. Um, that's kind of what I know. Um, so Daredevil fans, we might have to be a little patient, but we have a great first season to chew on and, um, I, and a lot of, uh, uh, merchandising and all that kind of stuff that's going to be coming out. Um, I've been on a few websites that I kind of have saved because they have uh, sort of independent people who design shirts and stuff like that. And Daredevil stuff is starting to pop up a lot kind of everywhere um it's sort of having like this cult uh uprising to where uh, a lot of uh support from a uh, from just uh, from just average average people like me who are just starting new podcasts i know i have a lot more competition that i than i did when i first started uh new t-shirt designs uh just uh, new iPhone cases, just a lot of great stuff. Like people are really loving Daredevil, uh, the first season, and um, and it's showing. A lot, a lot of art is coming out, 
and it's been it's been really really great to sort of see that happen and i'm i'm glad i'm not alone i'm glad that that my passion burns red for for this guy and that um and that everyone else sort of uh, is kind of rallying together to to sort of make this um sort of the crow of uh, uh of the the 2010s of this decade i think it's been really amazing um but i'm trying to reserve that for my commentaries uh, i'll get into a lot of that more and more in the following podcasts so that's that's kind of the topic that i had for um for when we can expect it um but we'll see who knows uh, what marvel will announce um in the next few months or by the end of this year um that may change all of that um, who knows whether they're going to be on the ball and want to get this done sooner rather than later or or if we'll just have to wait a little bit um, so we'll definitely see and i'll definitely uh, be ready to talk about that as that kind of news breaks the main topic that i want to talk about today is something that's very very personal and dear to my heart i've spent a lot of time thinking up a fantasy saga a daredevil saga that's kind of what i've called it um, it's been on my mind for years and years and years and I have a very, very lazy outline of um, of what I can have. So I was thinking if I was a director and I had the privilege of taking on the mantle of Daredevil, not as somebody who's wearing the costume and is doing all the stunts and all that, but someone who's sort of the writer, director, the creative uh, sort of... Uh, somebody who has creative control over what goes on um, in a Daredevil saga, what would that look like? And what's sort of my take on what a Daredevil saga would look like? And this is the context. You know, it, it, we're we're talking about maybe like five years ago, somewhere around there, Daredevil is still with uh, 20th Century Fox. Daredevil can't share his universe with the Marvel Universe proper with the MCU. It's separate. You can only really lean on the, the Daredevil characters with Daredevil Elektra and all of his foes and all that sort of stuff. And 20th Century has the rights to X-Men at this point. They have the rights to Fantastic Four. Um, who else do they have the rights to? I think that's it. Um, like those three main properties. So that's the context in which I kind of thought up this fantasy saga of mine. Uh, the saga being six installments, six films. And, and I'm just thinking, you know, what's the best possible saga that they can, uh, they, they can come up with or that I can come up with. What are the aspects about Daredevil's character and his storyline that I want to see the most, um, that I want to see on screen. And so these are the things that, that I kind of put to myself. Um, how could I adapt uh, the perfect sort of Daredevil saga? And it, it kind of started out as, you know, if I could make a trilogy, um, 
you know, five years ago, um, you know, a lot of people were still hot off of the, the Dark Knight trilogy done by Christopher Nolan, um, which was a, a really, really great realization of uh, the Batman. Really great to- uh, take on it and stuff like that. Um, you know, how could I bring that to the character that I love uh, of Daredevil? And so it started out as kind of like, hey, how would I do a trilogy? And then it was kind of like, well, you know, if I could, if Rocky can come out with like six films, maybe I could too. You know, maybe Daredevil could too. You know, I I really, really hold that character to that high of of, of an esteem. To where you know he could merit that many that many episodes. Um, I I kind of had the thing in my mind even back then of well the budget would have to be smaller for him to get by to be for him to be profitable for 20th Century Fox. It would have to be more of a low budget than he got for the 2003 film. Um, but story wise, what does that look like? So I want to dive deep into that. Um, I've got the titles. I've I've got a lot of a lot of stuff. So here it is, my Daredevil saga. So the first episode is called Daredevil Yellow, and a lot of the my titles that I liked was having the one word title, which is Daredevil, and the one word subtitle, which in this case is Yellow. Um. Obviously, that's inspired by his yellow costume, uh, which was inspired by his father. If you've read Daredevil Yellow by Jeff Loeb, um, I really, really love the relationship uh, between him and his father, his connection and all that stuff. All of that is really great. And I I wouldn't take too much away from Daredevil Yellow. And it would sort of to me be a splicing of Daredevil Yellow and Man Without Fear. You know, Daredevil Yellow had a lot of sort of daytime settings, a lot of vibrant sort of colors, um, and Man Without Fear took place at night a lot of times. So a very, very stark contrast between the two books, uh, between the two takes on his origin story. Um, and to me, it was kind of like you could almost cut it in half to where you can cover Daredevil Yellow, him um, as a as a kid and him as a uh, him in law school and all that stuff, and uh, his father still being alive with everything that sort of happens in Daredevil Yellow, but sort of plant the seeds of uh, Man Without Fear to where. Um, where Electra's there, uh, stick as a presence um, in my in my fantasy movie. Um, the the outline that I have is Matt is born blind. That's something that that I wanted to change about his origin story. That I think really sort of adds an ambiguity about him because he was blinded by saving uh, an elderly man. Um, and so to have him sort of be seen as the hero right up front, it just seemed too close to Captain America or too sort of... Uh, when we know what Daredevil has gone through in the comics already, 
the writers, uh, what all the different writers um, have done with the characters since Stanley and since the earlier uh, sort of runs on Daredevil. To kind of take that crucial element of his origin story away, I thought would be uh, uh, an ambiguity uh, on his morality. It would sort of be a play on that. And I think that that'd be really cool because it's kind of like, you know, you're introduced to a character to where you don't really know how much of a, a hero he is. Is he an anti-hero? Is he a vigilante? Uh, is he a villain? You know, what is he? I think by him being born blind, you kind of do different things with that. It, it's kind of almost similar to Stick, how he was born blind and how he developed his senses. Matt would sort of be kind of a little closer to that um, to where you have him born blind and you have him talk about um, what he's experiencing over dialogue or uh, over the, the sort of inner monologues uh, I love that stuff in, in, in the film um, but to kind of strip that away from him um, means that he would have to prove himself even more as a hero he would work even harder as a hero to prove himself to the audience that he is the actual hero of the story um, and so that's one detail that I wanted to start right off the bat plus I really don't like retelling origin stories we'll get into that with the uh, the, the first commentary that I do uh, the first two of them actually uh, retelling his origin story and how they did that um, but um, I, I just didn't want to deal with it. You know, the, uh, the Daredevil film was under 100 minutes and it spent a huge, huge chunk of it telling the Daredevil story, uh, the Matt Murdock story, as he was a, a, a child, a, a kid. And so you devote a lot of his origin story. And I thought, you know, just kind of wipe it away. You know, just start... Um, with uh, less bogged down sort of origin story um, and not have to um, not have to retell that uh, when people kind of already know um, he so to me it's kind of like in my fantasy saga here it's kind of like he's born blind or we don't really see him saving the elderly guy we don't know about it we don't when we meet up with Matt Murdock he's already blind and that's that's kind of the feel that I was going with after that uh, I write Matt is unaware of where or who his mother is that's an aspect um, to where we introduce it right away uh, a lot of setting up uh, a lot of a lot of little beats to where it's kind of like well what does that have to do with this film and all that kind of stuff kind of the same problems that Mark Steven Johnson was going through but um but having the the studio kind of understand that this is uh, character building, this is world building, this is planting the seeds for uh, future installments, sort of assuming that there are going to be future installments, um, you have to start with something that is already connected because you don't want to feel like you're retconning um, like uh, X-Men The Last Stand to where it's kind of like the retcon the thing with... Uh, with Jean Grey at the beginning of the film and it's just kind of like well now he kind of 
screwed up a little bit of the timeline. Now things don't really kind of line up. And it's just because you want to expound on uh, certain characters um, having a relationship built and sort of that backstory. Now you're retconning stuff that that wasn't there before, that wasn't intended to be there, and now you've dug yourself a hole. Now things are inconsistent. And so having studios understand that, you know, it's about world world building and um, understanding that there will be a payoff. Um, sometimes there's not. Uh, you know, just look at the Amazing Spider-Man and the sequel, all the stuff that they were trying to set up, and um, we'll probably never see a, a payoff to, to all those setups. But his mother is a very important uh, figure in his life, and to have her at least mentioned because... You know, audiences are going to be asking, you know, where's the mom? You know, having a little bit of a, a recognition of Matt doesn't know who his mom is or where she is, what, where her whereabouts are. So just having a little thing there just to let people know. Matt is constantly bullied at school. Matt spends time with his father at the gym. Um, him just really doing a whole lot of nothing um you know he's blind and he's being raised by a single father uh presumably but he is being raised by uh, his his dad jack uh by himself and so he's following his dad everywhere he's picking up on little things about about his father that is involved in in the story and that also is involved with his character development um, Matt loves his father and he adores his father and kind of uh, looks up to him. Um, and so because he observes his dad in, in, in his days of boxing and, and even wrestling and stuff like that, he, uh, he gets little tidbits about um, fighting. Um, maybe he punches the bag a little bit. So that way we kind of see where that sort of boxer technique comes from. Um, that will come into play later as he's uh, the man without fear. Also uh, about the story, you know, he learns about the people that his dad works for. Um, I really, really loved In Daredevil Yellow. The whole thing with, uh, with the fixer, who his name is Sweeney. He smokes cheap cigars. Um, and then sort of his psychic, which is Slade, who uh, has a fetish for pistachio nuts. And I, I really like that those little, little details about um, uh, those scents, you know, there are things that, you know, people would ign ignore those as minute details. But it's something that is important to Matt um, that he picks up on. They're very, very strong scents to Matt. And they come into play as he is trying to hunt them down because they become responsible for his father's murder. But before his father's murder, I would like to—I would have liked to have seen something with like uh, Matt and his dad debate about whether um, whether they should whether Matt should approach um, uh, life with hitting the books. Or, or by dealing with things with his fist, um, by having him sort of lash out on the people that were bullying him at school, um, sort of standing up for himself, um, 
so to have that sort of debate between a father and son, I think is really cool. And it really shows that Matt sort of is developing an inner turmoil to where he may want to lash out. It may be genetic, you know, it may be just the Murdoch way to, to use, to use their fists, uh, first and their brain second, but to, but to have him sort of fight, um, uh, verbally with his dad about it and for his dad to say no you know you got to stick with the books you got to use your brain you got to become somebody important you know we can see how suppressed Matt's anger is even from a very young age I thought that that would would be like a really cool setup so that way when you see him as Daredevil you really understand his viciousness and you really understand sort of his hardcore style of uh, just beating people to a pulp sometimes just because he has all that anger built up since he was a child. Um, and so I thought that that would be a really cool setup for a really good payoff. Um, but of course, this is all origin stuff. But one thing that's important is for Jack to inspire Matt, for, for Jack to have a positive influence on Matt in some way that inspires him to want to become somebody who is okay with taking a backseat, you know, when people bully him, when kids bully him in school and at school and stuff, it's just kind of like, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that because I, I already have a mental capacity to overcome that. I have self-control. I have, um, an internalization of discipline that will come into play later um, when stick comes into the picture um, and then things go right for uh, for Jack as he starts to make a comeback um, um, it, it's taken very very heavily from uh, from Daredevil yellow again this is a very very sloppy uh, outline of, of the things that I would like to see but yeah it is Jack B you know, um, working his way up to the top, to the to the championship uh, belt, to the championship mat match, and um, and it all comes crashing to an end. You know, Jack is killed. Um, I I really like the idea of having Matt be a teenager when he's killed, when Jack is killed, his his dad. And to have it be when he's about 13 to 16, for some reason, I just really, really like those ages. Um, so to have him be a teenager, you know, teenager is really when you're ready to start rebelling and when you're ready to just sort of lash out in the world and really when you kind of become um, sort of disillusioned to a lot of things and stuff like that. So to have the rug be pulled out from underneath him and for him to sort of deal with that. Um, at that profound age to where he can think, he can sort of uh, rationalize, and he can sort of internalize his father's death in a very, very negative manner, um, I think also would contribute to sort of the psycholo psychological issues that he would come to have as an adult and sort of the, um, the, the things that he would be struggling with. Um, sort of his inner demons that he sort of develops. So to have his dad die when he's not a kid, um, not in law school, but 
the ripe the ripe age of being a teenager i think is a, is a really really profound age to catch matt on for this sort of tragedy to happen to him um and then the whole thing with stick um comes to take matt into his care stick helps to develop his natural abilities in hopes of recruiting him for the chase me i would have a very 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 um i would have a very uh a very grounded take on on daredevil shadow world was cool i loved it in the 2003 film it really helped to elaborate uh what's going on in matt's head uh and what's going on with the senses it, it really helps to kind of bring that out especially for me uh when i was younger to see that it really helped me to understand and grasp um what was going on uh concerning his senses and all that stuff but for me i would have a very very grounded approach um you wouldn't see a shadow world um in, in my fantasy saga you would just you would hear it be described to you um um, to where you know it's happening and you have a little bit of a reference for it from the from the 2003 film um, maybe a little peek inside but not much you know it would be pulled back a lot um, because the emphasis would be placed a lot on his natural abilities to be able to to do things that a regular blind person can do and for him to operate um, on that level and then to have his physical peak ability you know anything that any athlete could do anything that any uh, martial artist could do anything that any ballerina can do daredevil can do it and maybe he can do it a little bit better and so for him to be in that physical peak condition and for him to be in tune with his senses so acutely to where um, he knows when a punch is coming towards him. He knows when an arrow is flying towards him. Um, to emphasize his natural ability, I think, uh, is a really, it's a better payoff for the training that he goes through with with Stick. And so I, I really like emphasizing sort of his natural abilities. Um, and of course, we know that Stick is trying to develop him to see if uh, if he can eventually recruit him uh, for the chase um, and so to have little seeds planted there um, to know that stick belongs to a larger world that's that's going on between this war between the chase and, and the hand may or may not be referenced um, may or may not be hinted at but just sort of little seeds that are planted um, it's something that I would really, really want to see um, in my fantasy first film of Daredevil Yellow. Uh, Matt smells pistachio nuts at the crime scene. And so he's he's going to be doing his own investigation. Um, he's going to, you know, remember that and know exactly who that belongs to. And, and he's going to. He's gonna go after the 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 killers when uh, when uh, when the time comes, and so he kind of grows up, and um, he um, he he's out of law school. He's he's in Hell's Kitchen. He's setting up firm, setting up shop uh, with uh, with Foggy Nelson and Karen Page, and to do that whole love triangle stuff. You know, that's all really great stuff. I mean, it, 
to me, it really made me feel for the characters, uh, all three of the characters involved. And I really, really love the, the Daredevil yellow costume a lot better than the black costume. I love the black costume in the show. It, it's really great and I think it works. But for me, like, I just love the idea of having a noir film with a character that's wearing something as bright and as vibrant as yellow. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous if you kind of think about it. But to me, it works because it's a color that Jack wore a lot. His father, it's in memory of his father. A lot of, uh, he would have like a makeshift yellow outfit that um, that is made of wrestling um, gear and uh, Everlast gloves and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then he would also be trained by stick to um, to do acrobats, to balance, um, to use billy clubs, bows and arrows and bow staffs, things like that. Just a whole uh, different array of things and weapons. And just a, an emphasis on natural radar senses. Um, and I put uh, including hearing on top of the city so that's a big moment in daredevil yellow that um that was really really great it was how he was able to locate karen page who was being held captive by uh by the owl and um that's how he was able to locate so it, it was a really really cool moment in the comics um and it's it's a really really small character moment um, that really does the character I think really great justice. It, it's something that um, isn't emphasized enough to me. Um, that that kind of moment to where he can kind of attune his senses to where he can hear the entire city, but tune it all out to concentrate on the one thing that he's looking for and the one thing that he's trying to track down. So I think that that's really cool. Uh, the other thing, uh, Stick teaches Matt about the lo logistics of Hell's Kitchen, how intricate how intricate uh, crime is in the city, and the war between the hand and the chaste. Stick kind of shows Daredevil or, or Matt uh, the ways of Hell's Kitchen, um, how kind of messed up it is. And Stick really trying to plant the seeds of you know, you don't really have to stay here. You know, you can come with me and I can give you a purpose. I can give you a mission. Uh, I can give you more to live for. I can give you a territory that's worth saving or, or a group of people that's worth saving. And so that's really sort of the disconnect between Matt and Stick to where they go their separate ways. Matt wants to stay in Hell's Kitchen. Um, you know, partly motivated by revenge to find his father's killer. Um, but also just because of the people that he meets with Foggy and Karen. Um, so he has great things to stay for, but he also has really, really messed up things to stay for, um, thoughts of revenge and all that kind of stuff. Um, in both the 2003 film and Daredevil season one, he says a line to where he's kind of like, I'm not the bad guy. You know, he has to constantly remind people, you know, like, hey, you know, like, I'm not the villain here. But he's doing things that are questionable. And so to have him start off at that point of wanting revenge 
wanting to only fight for um not necessarily for hell's kitchen but to 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 take revenge on his father's killer and then for his love for hell's kitchen and for karen page and for foggy and for everyone else to sort of expand from that uh he to where he really develops a love for his city and to where he's kind of um not taking revenge but really taking actions of justice uh, for the citizens of Hell's Kitchen I think is a really cool character arc that um, should be explored um, in all initial incarnations of Daredevil it was explored in the 2003 film which is which is a really good uh, turnaround um, in season one of the, the Netflix show which is great um, I have the same concept. It's just a really, really great starting point because it's kind of like Daredevil fits somewhere mor morality-wise. He fits somewhere in between Spider-Man and Punisher. Spider-Man is, you know, your true blue superhero. You know, he's the, the face of Marvel. Um, he's everywhere. Um, he jokes around. He's lighthearted. Um, and he just, he doesn't like to kill people, even if it's his own villains. He doesn't like to take his anger and his frustration out on the people that he's fighting. Frank Castle, Punisher, on the other hand, will just flat out kill you. He will flat out shoot you. You know, if he deems you for a second that you don't deserve to live, he will take you out. If you're not worthy of your life. Watch out for Frank Castle. Watch out for Punisher because he will take you out. Daredevil is interesting in the sense that he's not your sort of standard of the highest morality. And at the same time, he doesn't blur the lines so much between uh, an anti-hero and a villain like Frank Castle does. And so he's somewhere in between to where sometimes he's closer to to Spider-Man, sometimes he's closer to Punisher. I think that's why the two really guest star in his book a lot because in contrast to Spider-Man, he is the darker figure. But in contrast to the Punisher, he is the 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 light uh between the two. Um so to see him go from revenge um, for his uh, for his father to to being the sort of savior of hell's kitchen because he sees um, all the filth and the crime that's going on um, in hell's kitchen that's kind of where the character goes he develops a love the more and more he's exposed to everything that's wrong in hell's kitchen and how connected his father's death was with with all that crime and corruption that's going on in his own neighborhood, in his own backyard. Um, and so I really, really like that character arc. I really love that kind of narration that kind of goes on. Um, Fogwell's gym, uh, to have that inclusion there, his his dad's old gym. Um, it, at this point in, in, my, uh, in my first installment, um, it really sort of takes a cue, a major cue for Man Without Fear to where, um, you know, he tracks down his father's killer, his killers, and all that stuff. That 
sort of stuff is done away with. That's kind of the first act. And then it kind of goes on to um, to him uh, just sort of reconnecting with uh, with with his roots. Um, Fogwell's gym, you know, being an, ab an abandoned gym, you know, he sort of takes that on. Um, uh, the second act is really dedicated to kind of the love triangle between Foggy and Karen and and Matt and sort of that play that setup of the of the characters and also sort of establishing the crime and corruption in Daredevil Yellow I have no kingpin in the film I wouldn't want to have kingpin in the film but I do have him mentioned and I do have Wilson Fisk as the kingpin he's just not in the film um, and I think that that's really great. The villain of Daredevil Yellow would actually be the gladiator. And he would sort of be... Um, it would sort of be a, a, a paint-by-numbers kind of thing with gladiator. He always gets suckered in just the same way that Sandman does. He sort of gets threatened if he doesn't do what he's told um, by people who are you know, holding his girlfriend ransom or whatever. So the gladiator would be kind of suckered into kind of fighting Daredevil. Um, he would be the one instead of the owl. The owl kidnaps Karen in um, in Daredevil Yellow. I would switch that with uh, gladiator, gladiator, um, and it would sort of be an elaborate um, thing to where it's uh, you know trafficking, human trafficking, or whatever. Um, so gladiators actions are tied to uh, the kingpin but he wouldn't be in the film he would actually his presence would actually be represented by a character that's very very similar to the one with the glasses who doesn't speak or anything like that who is in um, who's in uh, the man without fear uh, his name is Larks or stuff like, or, or something like that he's he's a very sharp shooter uh, I like that character or a character like that. Um, who is kind of overseeing things for the kingpin, um, but he's in his own right uh, an assassin you know, or a badass. He's kind of foreboding of what something like Bullseye would be. And so after after Daredevil kind of does his deal with the fixer, and uh, you know he has a heart attack and he goes after Slade and and the rest who is tied to his father's murder. Um, you know, he sees that Karen is abducted. He kind of goes after um, uh, the gladiator. He finds the gladiator through being on the city rooftop. And then, you know, he finds him. I, I, I really had this picture in my mind of having that final fight scene. Of having gladiator on the streets. And having Daredevil on a roof of maybe a two or three story building and there would be like a dialogue between them it would be foggy it would kind of be like an overcast day and there would be heavy heavy rain and they would fight in the streets you know daredevil would come down to gladiators level and fight him in the streets and it would just be a bloody just sort of gritty all-out brawl between them to where it's like daredevil has to go against gladiator who has these um, these discs on his hand that's ready to, you know, slice Daredevil's head off or whatever. 
uh, all in an attempt to, to save Karen. She would kind of be the damsel in distress. I know old fashioned, but but it's a film. I think you can kind of get away with it. Um, there would also be uh, sort of a, a really good introduction to the cops being corrupted, the judges being corrupted. A lot of a lot of that stuff going on um, in Hell's Kitchen um, that would lead up to the sort of finale to the third act. Um, and Daredevil kind of not taking out the kingpin directly, but really, really hurting his operation, really hurting that human trafficking department. Uh, Gladiator would end up in jail, which he's kind of okay with because, you know, he doesn't want to deal with being uh, threatened by the kingpin or, or, you know, being forcefully employed um, to go against Daredevil or anything like that. And eventually I have Daredevil and uh, Gladiator becoming friends and that's where Daredevil gets his red suit. Karen makes that, you know, remark to where, he's, to where she's like, uh, you know, red would look a lot better on you. You know, why are you wearing yellow? Like, it's kind of weird. Um, so just that offhanded remark, you know, Daredevil want to be wanting to be taken more seriously goes from the the yellow at the end of the film to the red costume, and that's that's how I would do the first installment of uh, of my fantasy Daredevil saga, which is called Daredevil Yellow. I didn't think that it was going to take that long. <laughs> um, I guess I had a little bit more details, and, and you know, I just wanted to to kind of. Um, to get it off my chest because um i i do want to compare what i had what i had built up in my mind with what we see in the first season of daredevil and so i definitely am going to be referencing my daredevil saga in the commentary um as soon as i get them out i think what i'll do is i'll spend the next episode trying to get through um a lot of it um i don't have nearly as many notes so i could probably get through um uh, most of it, if not all of it, in the next episode, and then I'll start with commentaries. Um, but it's just a lot of stuff that, that, that I like to talk about. I mean, it's just, it's fun, and I want to get through it all for you guys. Um, so I want to thank you guys for joining me once again. This is the Daredevil Prophet, and I will see you next time. Yeah.